Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome, my friends. Here we are. Oh, my. Well, I hope you guys are doing well. I have been spending so much time out in the garden and just trying to get everything ready. It's all of a sudden gone from winter to summer in a blink of an eye. Somehow, we had basically two seconds of spring. And now here we are, heart of summer. <laughs> Don't worry. It's supposed to get cold again, not cold, cold, but cool. And, but it's been nice to have some warm weather because now everything is leafing. It's beautiful outside and things are growing and that is exciting. I love it when this happens. So, but today we're here because we're going to be talking about something that I think is both extremely relevant in our life right now. And this continues on our conversation about local eating. So I will say that this is a little bit of a soapbox situation. And because I think there's like a couple conversations going on out in the world of growing food, growing a garden that I think we got to address and identify and look at in new ways. I We'll just reiterate that if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I talked about how to easily eat local or seasonally, which involved things like a CSA, which is a community supported agriculture box through your local farm, or you can go to the farmer's market, or you can visit your local uh, farm stands and things like that. I gave all sorts of great tips. Growing a garden, obviously, is one of them. What these things do is they help you understand the seasonality of our food, which we've become extremely disconnected from because we can go to the grocery store right now and go buy anything. Well, for the most part, but 
you can buy. Like I just was there this morning. You, I was at Costco even to grab a couple things. And I was like, oh my gosh, there are just blueberries and strawberries and watermelons and everything. And you could start thinking, oh, it's warm. Like I'm, it's warm in Northern Michigan. Of course there's going to be watermelons. There are no watermelons in Northern Michigan right now. They don't exist unless they're in a greenhouse, which I don't even know if it's been hot enough in there to grow them. So that said, I think this whole conversation of understanding food and where it comes from and how it grows in the region we live is incredibly important to just begin this connection. But I want to talk about this local eating thing or eating from your garden in a new way too. Because so many times right now, I feel like when you grow a garden, you're either doing it for two reasons. You're doing it just because you love to grow a garden, which is absolutely part of why I do it. But then there's the homesteader concept of like, I'm going to be completely self-sufficient and have my own animals and do this whole thing. And a lot of people believe that because I have chickens, because I'm doing all this, that I'm homesteader. And that I am trying to, people always ask like, well, you probably like grow all your own food. The truth is, is I don't. And I don't want to. I don't have any desire to be completely self-sufficient off my land. Zero. Zero desire. The reason being is that I love buying from my local farms. I love supporting the people who live down the road from me that make their livelihood off of supplying food that is rebuilding the soil, that is they're focused on feeding pollinators. They're doing all these amazing things. And when something happens, like a E. coli outbreak happens, and I have bought my greens all month from the local farm down the road who grows them in a beautiful greenhouse themselves with wonderful practices that I don't have to second guess if my if I have E. coli poisoning, which is absolutely awful. Mike's had it. It's terrible. So I, I just want to talk about this because I think sometimes we think that if we're going to grow a garden, if we're going to become gardeners, that we have to be self-sufficient. And that's one of the main goals is to like grow all your own tomatoes. And, you know, if you don't, then like, oh my gosh, where, what am I going to do? And guys, you don't have to do that. Okay. Like what I love about the concept of eating locally, the concept of eating seasonally, they go hand in hand, is that it opens us up into an amazing way to connect with our own community because we can grow a garden and we can support our local farms. We can get a CSA and we can grow tons of herbs. We can do both and. Life is not black and white. It is not one or the other. Many times we can live in a moment. I mean, look at the seasons around us. We can live in a moment that we both feel incredibly joyful and deep sadness. We can have both and. These things don't have to fight. They can coexist. And so when I see this concept right now of you know food shortages, the issues at hand, and let me tell you, the cost of food... It's outrageous. <laughs> I mean, just buying some things like I get raisins for our kids because they love them. 
And that's not something we can get locally, but they, they do love them. And I source them as, you know, effectively as I possibly can, you know, it's part of the whole thing. Even we can talk about bananas, for instance, that's the other, like one thing definitely can't get those locally. And my children cannot live without them. Um, and my goodness, like it's expensive. It's really expensive. Everything's expensive. And that's whether it's like a supply chain issue, whether it's like, there's, there's a lot of complicated things going on. But when we also are thinking about this, I think there's also like the cost of what it is to do massive egg, like to do large scale agriculture. And those books that I recommended, particularly um, Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver, I highly suggest reading because she talks a lot about this. Like, and this is in 2007, and she's more or less predicting what we're experiencing right now. But instead of becoming fearful in these shortages and high cost of food, I challenge you to do something different. And that's why I really want to talk about this is because. Okay. Let's go back to March, 2020 pandemic hits. Oh my gosh. The grocery stores are cleaned out. Like people are freaking out, right? Toilet paper's all gone. I don't know why people got into that, but I remember thinking immediately local. We have to look to our local farms. Sure enough, what was happening with our local farms is all the restaurants has closed. So they have lost all of their supply, like they're not supplying to those places anymore. They are not being selling to those places anymore, but they had just built, like started their whole business that year because it's March, mid-March, 2020. They were just kicking into their season and their restaurants weren't going to be buying from them. So what were they doing? They were looking for people to sell their food to. They had a mass amount of food and would be potentially having more mass amount of food throughout that growing season because restaurants were not what they were. So there was a big shift. And instead I said, you know what? CSA, we're going to get a CSA. We're going to just like, that's what we're eating. We're not going to go to the grocery store as much. Like we're just going to do this for a while. We leaned into our local, local offerings. We could get eggs locally, meat locally, bread locally, all these things no longer felt like they were scary to think about. Like there wasn't this shortage, you know, it, we just like leaned into cooking from everything that we already knew how to do, but it wasn't that we had to supply it for ourselves. I don't, I never felt like, oh, we need to grow a more massive garden. I needed to grow a more massive garden for my own therapy. Okay. <laughs> I needed that space for myself emotionally, not for my own food. I just started feeling like, oh my gosh, like this is so incredible. I feel interconnected and supported right here in our own area. And granted, there are some areas that this is harder to do than others. We live in a very strongly focused area on small farming and farms that are doing things well, thinking about pollinators. They're beyond the concept of organic. They are regenerative, in fact. And it's a whole ecosystem that's going on here. And that's unique, but not completely. It, this is there 
always for the taking. It's us being willing to look for it. And so I remembered that we don't have to do everything. And I think in those moments, there was an isolating feeling. And in these shortages, we can feel like it's isolating, like it's every man for himself. But instead, what if it's every community within its own community focused on sustaining itself? Because isn't that really how it's supposed to be? I, I think about this because what I love is like when I think about the ecosystem that happens when we buy local. So if I were to like go out and garden and grow my own garlic, okay, I grew my garlic that year. It was really great. I don't want to dry all of it, but there's a really great garlic farm down the road. And I am lucky enough to make my living online. So is my husband and from other cities. And we get to then take the money that we make and we get to plug that into our local community by giving to a local farm that grows garlic, dries it, and then we have garlic powder. We have all the garlic powder we need for a whole year. I don't like doing our own maple syrup. So it's not something I want to do. It is a task that I think is beautiful, but it is not for me. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability to do that. It is not a passion of mine. And that's okay. I'm not going to stress myself out to do it. But my friend down the road loves doing it. It's like her passion project. Amazing. I'm going to buy from her. And, you know, I... There's all these levels of where we can like start doing that. And then what happens is, is when I buy from another farm that's nearby, that farm then uses their money to buy other local things. And it becomes the sustaining factor within this little ecosystem that we already live in, that already is sustaining us. And I think we've been, we look so global when it comes to our food because we've become to believe that's how we are best to sustain ourselves. And when that starts falling apart, people just start going insular in order to protect themselves. Instead of spreading the, the, that bubble a little wider and saying, okay, I'm going to focus instead on the things within 100 miles of my home. Because I can bet you that you can almost find every single item that needs to sustain you. Granted, you're not going to find bananas you're not going to find um, raisins, maybe. Depends. If you live in California, then maybe you would. Or dates. Or, you know, depending on where you live, you may not find these things. Or if you live in California, maybe you won't be able to get um, a really nice, I don't know. <laughs> what is it in the winter that we like live on? Spinach. I mean, even like spinach or arugula can be kind of hard to grow in the heat of California. Um, but I, I think you, those things, there may be times, and that's what I love about the book with Barbara, the animal vegetable miracle. She goes through this whole year of them doing this, but what you find and what I love about the book is it doesn't talk about self-sufficiency because that's not what she's talking about. She's talking about community sufficiency. She's talking about this idea where we can rely upon the local community around us in order to sustain ourselves. And by sustain, by utilizing the community itself to sustain ourselves, we sustain the community. And we are meant to live that way. And when we do this, it shifts some things. 
It shifts how we affect the ecosystem because we're no longer transporting goods and we no longer need large, massive farms. You know, we can have more focus on smaller farms, doing things right on a smaller scale. There's a lot of things that can start dominoing because of this shift. So I don't like to live in a doomsday mentality. I'm an eternal optimist. Okay. So this fear of like everything going to shit, you know, excuse my language, but this conversation is very doomsday. The homesteader idea of self-sufficiency is very doomsday. I don't like living in a dark world. I want to live in a world of opportunity, of connection, of community. And that thinking that by buying my carrots from a local farm, when I am not ready to start growing them yet, that I just created a relationship that by, you know, (laughs) just volunteering at a local farm, even for an hour and saying, you know what, I know it's a high season. I'm going to come and pick pick beans for you today. And that is an opportunity to create a connection. And sure, yeah, I mean, might go home with some little extras that were ineffective or, you know, maybe down the road, they can help down the, who knows? You don't know. That's not why you do it. You do it because it's about creating community and about sustaining each other in our little world. And and I think we think so big these days, our, our phones connect us in so many ways that we forget to just look right where we are. And that's what I love about growing a garden is that you have to focus inward and you have to focus down. You have to, you have to be in the present. And when we do that, the world doesn't feel so crushing. And these ideas where we have to protect ourselves from something that may not be an immediate danger, because it, when you look local, it isn't technically. Like when it comes to supply chain issues and sure, there's like, things are a little more expensive this year. I have noticed that because of cost of materials for fertilizing and things like that. But it's not significant when I talk to other farmers and, but it's, it's totally okay. Like, I think it's just incredible when we start thinking about these things and really start digging in little by little, we start finding that there's less to fear than we thought. And we feel less pressure. I don't want that pressure. I don't want the pressure of feeling that if my radishes don't grow or my tomatoes get completely demolished this year, that I'm not going to be able to feed my family. We still live in a modern world and that isn't going away. So right away, in any way, I don't think I am not a futurist, but I don't have a, you know, magic ball to tell me what lies ahead of us. But I can believe that my local farm is still going to be sustaining itself as long as my own garden can sustain itself. So there, but to think that I don't have to do everything, you know, we aren't homesteaders in the sense that, you know, we're not carving everything off of a piece of land for the first time. You know, we're not the first to wander that land. We're not the first to um, trim a tree. And, and there's beauty to that slow pace of life and being able to focus on that. But to be honest, it's hard in this day and age. Life is expensive. And to think that you can just do that really easily, I think it all depends on where you live. And I know that that's not 100% fully possible, 
um, the way that I would love it to be. It takes a lot of work to grow your own food, to do it all yourself, to dry it, to save it, to all of it. And so what I want you guys to think is when you hear these shortage ideas to sure, go out and grow a garden, do it. You guys know that I'm all for that. But I also want you to look at it and say, where can I buy this locally? Where can I get this, you know, and not feel like I have to do it all? Where can I rely on somebody else in a way that builds a relationship, builds connection, builds something that we all deeply desire as much as the food we eat? Because the truth is, is that the relationships that I create through the food that I eat are as important as the food itself. Because when I can walk into, you know, walk out of the farm stand and pick up my food for that week or, you know, and I run into a farmer that I know and we're talking for a while, life feels better even when it feels hard. And when things are feeling challenging, that connection alone can change everything. And so I just want you guys to think about this. And, and like I said, I highly suggest reading these books. It's like the best way to kind of get to know this idea a little more. And I guess like why I feel so passionate about this is because I don't think anything is wrong about it. Like, is there anything wrong about looking a little closer to home, looking a little closer down the road to farms or to those people that are in our community that are growing our food, that are trying to support their families and the local people through what they grow. And there isn't, there isn't anything wrong with it. And there's so many good things. The more you dig into it, the way it slows us down, the way it changes our routines, the way it makes, you know, with the cost of food being so high, I don't think that grow that looking local is going to hurt your budget. If anything, it might save it. So <laughs> at least this is what I've been finding. So I just say, if you're feeling this sense of like shortages and like all this stuff feeling overwhelming and you are feeling like we need to grow our own food, we need to do things ourselves, like take this into our own hands, or maybe you have seen those conversations going on. I want you to just ask, how can I take that energy and turn it into something good? How can I turn it into something that shifts how I see my own community, my own world around me for the better? Because it, when we're buying these local foods and we're buying them from farms that are doing things really well, we're doing something really powerful. And it doesn't have to always happen in our backyard. It can happen with the community around us. And that's the choice that we get to make. So we can live in fear or we can live in optimism. And I like to choose the optimism (laughs) because I think that there's always an option. And that's just how I think. That's how I see the world. Call me crazy. But I think that we need to see things that way and we need it now more than ever. And I want to teach my kids that too, that when things feel challenging, that look for the places where we can still do good. Look for the places that we can not feel alone, that we can lean on our community. And because self-sufficiency only goes so far and, but community sufficiency is infinite in my mind. So I hope this inspires you. I hope that you go back to the other podcast and you also listen to like, how do we do this? How do I make this happen? 
And if you have any questions or any ideas or thoughts about this, you guys can always message me, email me, whatever sounds good. But like I said, in our online community, we're talking about this book specifically, and we're going through this idea of what is it to be self-sufficient? What is it to be community sufficient? And what does this look like? And I think it's a beautiful conversation and one that needs to be continually happening. It's not just right now. It is all the time. There's so many ways this can happen even beyond our food system. So I hope this inspires you guys today. I hope it brings you maybe some joy and like fire in your bones a little bit when maybe you've been feeling a little bit down about the cost of things or whatever. So it's always an opportunity. Just look at it that way. (laughs) Okay, friends, until then, I'll see you out there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.